class. My name is Taryn. Hi, class. My name is Natasha, and this week's podcast is on Media Literacy 2. I want to start off by talking about real versus fake video and deep portraits. The idea of a deep portrait is unsettling to say the least. Being able to sit at my computer and carefully look at each comparison, watching the movements over and over again was extremely helpful in picking which ones were real and which ones are fake. The fake ones all had a Westworldy vibe to them. There was a minute lag on their eye, or their hair moved in a weird way for a nanosecond. Now, if I had a news channel on and it showed a deep portrait video, or I just scrolled through those videos and didn't look at them and analyze them, I probably wouldn't be able to tell which one was a fake person. Can we trust that we're seeing real people on news channels? Do news networks use this technology to keep consistent with the narrative that they've created and the audience that they've cultivated? After watching the real versus fake videos um, and reading the article online, I think that the idea of the deep portrait was pretty interesting. I found that it's crazy you can take something that's true and have live videos on it and make it into something that it's not. So for the real versus fake videos, I really had to sit back and analyze each movement as well. I had to play them both over and over because as as sad as it is, at times, I could not tell the difference. I don't really watch Westworld like you mentioned, but I have people that I know that have seen it and they all say that the effects that they have is mind-boggling or crazy in their own words. I noticed that this also connects to the memes and videos we see in our everyday lives, like on Facebook videos, we have Instagram feeds, Snapchat videos. All of that puts it all into big perspective, I think. Um, the deep portrait idea is something that people, I think, use on a daily basis, and it becomes a sort of entertainment for us viewers. After reading through that article, it does create a second thought to me when I think about any sort of picture or video. Questions like, um, how do we know it's real? Can we really trust everything we see on the internet or the television? Questions like that come down to the idea of trust. And like you mentioned, Taryn, trust is a big issue and idea that most people are having issues with now. Reading that also made me question, do the news and TV networks use this idea as an advantage to keep their viewers watching? It also made me think about how our minds all see and interpret the same image or video in different ways. For instance, once we clicked out our choice of real or fake videos, there was not one side that picked one image or reasoning behind real or fake 100%. There was one that was 6%, there was one that picked neither both of them, that was 34%, there was another one that was 15% for only the right side being real. So it does make people think, if I chose something and it's wrong, does that make me unreliable? Do I not have an understanding of what I'm being able to see? It also does give that question of, does that just give the technology editors an advantage to keep us viewing and wanting more. Next, let's move on to the Buckingham article. Right off the bat, reading that this article was published about UK schools in Media Studies 101 verse 1.2, I started thinking about my schooling here in New York. What did my media studies look like throughout my elementary, middle, and high school career? Will my memories of what and how I learned align up more with Media Studies 101 or 1.2 or neither? One distinct memory about my first real internet use was sitting in our brand new computer lab in fourth grade and exploring the website BrainPop. Initially, learning how to navigate the computer on the most basic level was a task. 
but as mentioned by Buckingham, I am a quote-unquote usual suspect, and through unearned privilege, I was able to spend the time exploring and learning. Can you tell me about your media studies experiences throughout your schooling? Taryn, I feel the same way when it comes to media studies. Uh, this idea of internet use has evolved tremendously since our first interactions with it. I still recall my elementary teacher telling us it will be our first time walking to the computer lab together to see the new technology our school has gotten. At that time, I was in maybe third grade, I think, and we had a chance to learn how computers actually work. We were allowed about 40 minutes in the computer lab where we either practiced typing through a program called Jumpstart. With Jumpstart, we were told on where letters are on the keyboard, and we were also given a keyboard cover where we could not see what letter we were typing so that we would learn how to type without looking at the keyboard every second. Beginning to learn a device definitely had multiple uses and abilities and it was helping us be able to learn with others and we were able to help one another in the classroom while learning at the same pace. As our media studies shifted to Web 2.0 as mentioned on page 11 in the reading, the use of media studies increased tremendously in schooling and just from basic learning to researching I was able to analyze and use the resources that the web aside from being able to use social media I was able to learn how to blog, play games, connect with others. So I can for sure say that in my media studies I think both were 1.0 and 2.0. It definitely started off with 1.0 and then as age of technology grew as we grew up into the secondary education field, as well as college, I was able to move on to the 2.0 throughout my schooling career. Buckingham also talked about Californian ideology, the idea that technology will be the ultimate force in allowing people to rebel from societal norms and create their own countercultures. While technology certainly has the ability to give people a platform to create a never-ending number of subculture groups, most people don't want to use it for that purpose. I really liked his critique of the Californian ideology saying that millions of people have a YouTube account, they consume media daily, but only 0.16% of those people actually post content, and some of the content that they post is not even original. It's pirated clips from TV shows, movies, music videos, shorts, and commercials. Most people are passive consumers of content. However, even though most people don't use technology to grow a counterculture, Marwick and Lewis point out that the alt-right did just this. Do you think people will eventually align with the Californian ideology and become empowered by technology instead of just being passive consumers? I think that eventually, yes, people will become empowered by technology. It shocked me with the stats that were stated in the reading on that such a worldwide website such as YouTube only had 0.16% of people on it that actually posted videos that were original. When reading this part in the article, it did bring up connections on certain videos I came across when I'm on my own social media. And I did notice that a lot of the video content covered music covers, they had recreation of shows, they had movies, they had clips of certain TV episodes. But I also noticed there are some implements of creativity, and I think that the stats that were mentioned in 2010 definitely have grown over the years. I have noticed that there is an increase in the do-it-yourself videos have arised. Um, I feel that there's a lot of original cooking recipes that people have started posting, such as Tasty that you see on Instagram and um, YouTube that are quick 10-minute or less than 10-minute videos that help prepare 
full meals in a quick amount of time. Um, I see a lot of makeup tutorials that have come out that can be used with the same products but in a different way. And then I also learned a lot of do-it-yourself um, clothing videos that come up that people post that they make their own videos and they produce their own products without any type of plagiarism in copyright. Lastly, addressing the Marwick and Lewis reading. This sums up a lot of what I believe is wrong with our society. Misogynists, racists, bigots, and Nazis spewing hate speech. These people are not voicing their opinion. They're actively talking about bringing harm to or killing other human beings. The internet has been a vehicle that has had a hand in connecting people with modern movements. The Army With movement was started by a group of teachers in response to the massacre at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, and it aimed at having a conversation about how teachers don't need to be armed with weapons. The Me Too movement spread and has been effective in making victims of sexual assault know they're not alone and attempts to bring attention to just how widespread the epidemic of sexual assault is. For all the principled movements like these, they come with unfortunate opposition. And they both have one commonality. They have found their niche online and gained a following. Marwick and Lewis gave an in-depth review of how the alt-right formed on 4chan and then explained how their rhetoric wound up on cable news. They claim, and I agree with them, that their misinformation and manipulation of media continues to occur because news outlets don't fact-check well enough. They might not have the resources, or they're trying to push out a sensational story and don't have the time to do the digging to find out if it's credible or not. This is an unfortunate side effect of the 24-7, 365 news cycle. I believe this is part of the reason why so many people distrust the media. In the community I am surrounded by, I often hear the phrase, I don't trust the liberal media, but nearly all major news outlets have fallen prey to this media manipulation. Prior to it happening, there was a lot of buzz on the internet about the neo-Nazi Charlottesville rally. Even before the day came, I started to ask myself why news outlets were covering this story. Why are, they being, why are these people being given a platform? Being a Nazi shouldn't be something that's normalized. It's not as simple a difference in whether or not you like broccoli. If we ignore hate groups, they won't go away, but at least we're not aiding in their growing membership. Referring to the media manipulation and disinformation online reading written by Alice Marwick and Rebecca Lewis, I felt that I completely agree with what you're saying. I believe that the reason why people distrust media so much it's because of the abundance of misinformation past, the amount of media manipulation that takes place, and the constant game of telephone that goes on in our world today. I question how much attention is given to stories that should not be exposed in such cruelty. From the case study, you see that Trump and the image of the David Star. You see how much commotion a single shape can do to our news outlets. Of course, keeping Trump's reasoning behind the star aside, the amount of backlash given is a result of how quickly and intensely media is shared and spread. Every day we notice faults in our mainstream coverage, but for some reason it attracts the millions of viewers on the internet. Media manipulators enjoy creating chaos to keep the readers and viewers locked onto their networks at all times. But you can see as recent news outlets show that not many or mostly all do not have the credible evidence to prove anything. Rather, they have bits and pieces of proof and create a story that they try to compel us to believe. Strong movements, as you mentioned, such as the hashtag MeToo movement or the hashtag ArmYouWith movements, have gained almost all their attention through social media. 
I feel that the base of the internet has become a crucial part in spreading information worldwide and has become a very important aspect of spreading awareness, which is very important. Such movements as hashtag Black Lives Matter leaves a deep mark in our lives. It is not incorrect to mention how much opposition these movements have had, but I do agree with you that if new channels don't check their facts, not many people will tune in or believe any information passed. So as I mentioned earlier, I do think that it comes down to what is really true and what is falsified.